Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again welcome to the show everyone i am ben kissel that's marcus parks hey Benghazi. <laughs> Do you remember that? It's the little brother to the band Fugazi. Yeah, but it's crazy and dangerous and not nearly as sober as that band. You need to drink when you hear about Benghazi. The official report has just come in. They spent $20 million, the Trey Gowdies of the world, the prosecutor from Texas who looks as if his face was put into a toaster. $20 million. That's what the Benghazi, that's what the entire inquisition costs for Benghazi to figure out what happened to people like Chris Stevens, one of the four people murdered in that terrible terror attack in Libya. $20 million. The major result, Marcus, what is it? What do you, what do you got, Ben? Smurfs did it. <laughs> Can you believe it? Isn't that crazy? Turns out they politicized the event because it was an election year. For those that don't remember, it was September 11, 2012. That's when the event occurred. And it was Obama was about three weeks, four weeks away from running for re-election in the middle of a campaign season. And they politicized the event. They blamed it on a video. They put out this woman, Susan Rice. Do you remember Susan Rice? I do. She was sort of the scapegoat out there. They blamed it on a video. I believe it was called The Innocence of Muslims. It was. And my God, if you think Dinesh D'Souza <laughs> makes some interesting documentary work, <laughs> The Innocence of Muslims is superb. As a film critic, which I am not, I give it. One amputated thumb up. <laughs> that's a World War II. That's a World War II vet's version of two thumbs up. One amputated thumb up. The other hand is completely blown off. Yeah, left on the battlefield. So, uh, so that everyone's talking about it right now. I don't think it uh, impacts the election that much. No new information has come out. If anything, when Hillary was on, uh, you know, sitting there getting grilled by the congressmen and the senators. She was there for 12 hours. It actually made her look good. I think the entire event backfired, if you recall that. Mm -hmm. Strange day. She had very large glasses on. Yeah. Do you remember those? I remember those. Well, she had a lot of documents. She did have a lot of documents, <laughs> didn't she? You, yeah. got, you got to see Hillary's document face. Yeah, I can't wait to be old because if you ever put on glasses and just look at paper, people are like, they're thinking about something. <laughs> it could just be a crumb cartoon. <laughs> it could be anything that you're looking at, but it's as soon as you get past the age of 60, you put on glasses and you look at a piece of paper, they think you got all the Swiss bank records. <laughs> God knows what it could be. All the information are on those pages. So Benghazi, the, the, uh, the entire thing is now wrapped up. We learn nothing. $20 million of the taxpayer dollars down the drain for no results whatsoever. Nobody is arrested. Nothing will happen. Four people are still dead. Those people's parents have been run through the muck for the past four years their, their children died in a horrific attack. The politicians politicized it, and for four years they've had to hear their 
the corpses of their children being used as pawns. Oh, yeah. I mean, and those are really the victims in this entire thing, other than the four victims themselves. I mean, you want to use the words trotted out. Every time they wanted to make a point, they just said the names of the victims over oh and over and over again. They trotted out the they trotted out the victims. They trotted out the families. I mean, you want to talk about how they politicized the original event? My God, how they politicized it since? How they politicized it since is almost worse. Sure, and you know it's not shocking that these things would be politicized in an election year. So the fact the commission came back with nothing is upsetting. And, uh, you know, it's been a conservative talking point for a very, very long time. At no point do they even talk about the larger issue, which was the original engagement going into Libya, ousting Gaddafi. He was a bad guy, but he had a golden gun. You know, I mean, <laughs> Saddam used to shoot people. Uh, you know, Saddam Hussein used to shoot things in the air, and he had a whole wonderful uh, series of knives and things like that. Gaddafi had a golden gun. I just want to go back to the era of Bond villains <laughs> instead of these faceless, uh, you know, black-bested monsters who have suicide guns and, and Kalishnikovs, uh, suicide vests and Kalishnikovs. They're terrifying. I want to go back to having one figurehead, and you know he's dangerous because he's got a gun that if you bite it, it'll melt. (laughs) (laughs) If you bite gold, it'll bend. Yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of which, when we ousted Gaddafi, did we engage in any sort of nation building whatsoever? Because with Iraq, at the very least, when we ousted Saddam, yeah, he was a bad guy, but at least we made an effort. It seems like in Libya, we're just kind of letting it be. We put in power the name of this guy. I I cannot recall the name of the man that we put in power, but that was it, and then we dipped on out of there. Yeah. And and, uh, of course, every single – the power vacuum was filled by every single disenfranchised group under Gaddafi in Libya. And so you can imagine the mayhem that ensued after that. Nothing positive came from our engagement in Libya whatsoever, although they're still using uh, the U.S. dollars, their mass currency, which was the reason we went in there in the first place. They wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. And we said, you will not be getting rid of it. And as a matter of fact, you're going to have your golden gun shoved up your rectum just for thinking about it (laughs) and Gaddafi is not a good guy he's a terrible person but you know what what they did after post-mortem after he was murdered they went through his house and they looked at all the terrible things in it the the apparently had sex dungeons and and, and young uh ladies if we would go through the white house what would we see (laughs) what what's in the bowels of the white house (laughs) the tunnels that jfk used to sneak marilyn monroe in could be this is where john quincy adams we call this one the brown room (laughs) don't even talk about it do not talk about it god knows so benghazi is all wrapped up uh just in time for hillary clinton and i think she came came out relatively unscathed because the people who care about the scandal are never going to vote for her in the first place the people who don't are um, aware that politics come into play during national event and during during international tragedies, specifically in an election year. So I don't think they're going to be that stunned by the re- uh, revelation that they manipulated the facts after the case in order to get Barack Obama elected in 2012. Well, the thing is about Benghazi is that, you know, a lot of swing voters, I think the reason why a lot of swing voters are swing voters is because a lot of them are working class people and they don't necessarily have the time to look at politics and to really follow it closely. And right. Benghazi is a fairly complicated thing. It took actually took me a long time to really figure out the nuts and bolts <clears throat> of Benghazi. And I think this thing is far enough from the general election that swing voters aren't even going to know when they use Benghazi as a buzzword. Hell, even the people, the Trump supporters, the people on the far right, they don't even know what Benghazi means. It's just a buzzword. Even fans of The Hobbit were just (laughs) like Peter Jackson, 
Three hours? <laughs> you wanted to make it three hours long? Even if you were in, interested in Benghazi. Four years? <laughs> you, can't, you can't wrap this thing up in 18 months? Are you kidding me? Yeah. We don't have highways. We need Bridges are collapsing. Yeah. This is what you're focusing uh, your, your time in office on. You're wasting the taxpayer dollars as our, as our cities and our infrastructures crumble. And you came out four years later with something that we talked about on this show four years ago. It was all political nonsense, and there's no way a web video caused a group of terrorists to go and invade an embassy. What caused it was our invention, uh, interventionalism in Libya, and the reason that they were able to overtake an embassy was because we put one there. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the rant of the day. <laughs> but going on, let's talk a bit about the middle class, because Donald Trump has been uh, very proud of himself for calling Brexit, of course, the British exit from the EU, which is a... Brexit? Portmanteau. A portmanteau, <laughs> which I heard that word 10 times last week. And if I never hear it again, I'm going to be absolutely thrilled. Portmanteau. Anyway, so Brexit happened. People are completely stunned. We, we spoke about it in the last episode. We were in Washington, D.C. this past weekend for a live last podcast on the left that was amazing. And there were some people from uh, the U.K. and from Scotland. They were extremely upset. Yeah. Okay, so this is what's so interesting. First of all, uh, don't panic. There is a there is a U.S. Uh, the U.K. government has to invoke Article 50 mm-hmm. of the Lisbon Treaty. Yeah. It was signed in 2007 before they even get the ball rolling on leaving the EU. And that process can take up to two years. So this isn't exactly happening overnight. And they haven't even invoked that quite yet. Well, the uh, stock market crashes around the world. That happened overnight. It'll be fine. <laughs> Stock markets tell crash all the, the time. Tell that to all the people that lost money on that. They'll get it back. <laughs> I mean, I would say if you had your retirement in there, pull it out the day before. Yeah, but we can't go back. Yeah, we can't. Of course, we can't go back. Although a lot of Brexit, a lot of protest voters want to go back. How many? All those people are like, you know what? I didn't think it would actually happen. What did you think? You voted for it. All oh of your neighbors God. voted that for it. That is a total lie. People know what they were voting for. No one went into those oh, polls. Oh, no one knows what they were voting for? Did you see the they Google They knew what they were voting did for. Did you see the okay, Google spikes? Talk. Did you see the Google spikes in Britain the day after Brexit was passed? You know what the number one Google spike was? What is it? What is the EU? Okay, right. So now you are taking a, you are you are putting a bias onto that Google search. That Google search was done by people who voted against, uh, voted to leave voted to stay, who didn't vote at all, people who were just interested in what the U- or what the EU was. Uh, you know, they were just, they. it doesn't mean that it, that it was people who had voters' remorse. I think the people who knew what they were getting into were the ones who proactively went out and voted for Brexit. Well, I think the ones that knew what they were getting into, their number one concern was immigration. It was old people that didn't want to deal with brown people. They, no, no, they're not brown. See, this is also a lie. This is this is a, another well, lie. Okay, they are brown, Polish. Polish is a big thing as well. But it uh, is mostly Polish, and it is because the poles are coming over into the UK. No, what happened? No, I don't want to go crazy here. I'm just joking around. The Polish are a great group of people, but it really is about immigration and legal immigration. You know, people are talking. This guy Nigel Farage. He's the UK Independence Party leader, and he's the main guy behind Brexit. He was the one who touted all these politicians, career politicians, as, as being uh, completely out of touch with the working class. He said he used to run a business. He's been in office for 17 years. Yeah. So he, he himself 
is one of those individuals who uh, who is a career politician who flips the script and calls other politicians career politicians. <laughs> it is mildly disgusting. But he is he is talking. They're comparing him to Trump uh, quite regularly now because Trump is talking about immigration. And, uh, and Nigel was talking about immigration. The main difference is Trump is talking about illegal immigration, and the U.K. was dealing with legal immigration. So they were having people come in, over half a billion people come into their country, and they were completely sh- changing the makeup of their nation. And because you have situations like we saw just uh, in, in, St- in Istanbul, uh, in Turkey, with the uh, potential ISIS um, uh, terrorists blowing up the airport. You have situations in Paris. We have Orlando. You know, we have all over the world, people are more on edge than ever when it comes to others, right? And so you have a nation with complete open borders. You do understand the idea of, of, of many feeling as if they've lost their sovereignty and they've lost their nation. So um, I understand why the motivation was there on an emotional level. Of course, I think there were other ways to handle it that wouldn't have been quite so extreme. It was pretty drastic. And I think the difference between the young vote and the old vote is very telling. It tells you that the young people don't care about the immigration thing. They don't mind it. They're they're seeing the effects, and they don't really care about it. And also, I think those people are more concerned with more realistic things. They're concerned about economic opportunities because, you know, people all over the world, young people all over the world, it's hard to find work. It's very difficult yep. for young people to find work. And what this thing did is that it took away the opportunity for people to easily go and work with twenty work in 29 other countries. Sure. You know, and mm-hmm. that is, uh, that's a huge deal for people i mean these kids they just want to work and the old people they want to hold on to the union jack they want to hold on to the uk which by the way probably isn't going to be the uk anymore what's it going to be england it's just going to be england scotland they're out out of there you know it's very possible that ireland could uh, reunite spain is bringing gibraltar back into the fold the united kingdom isn't going to exist anymore it's going to reshift the entire europe uh, europe as we know it there's no doubt about that oh yeah it's reshuffling everything and plus england has to renegotiate all these treaties you know they have to renegotiate two years to do these things they have two years to do these things it might take longer than Uh, that let's what were we just talking about Four years on Benghazi. England isn't any better than we are on getting on getting shit done when it comes to the government. I think they are slightly better because they get it out. You watch, <laughs> you watch Parliament. Oh, that, my God, dude, Parliament is nuts. I love it. It's a roast battle. Oh my God, with the steel chair, David Cameron. So another huge person behind this was uh, is this fellow who looks just like. A slightly frumpier Trump. <laughs> yeah. This guy, Boris Johnson, he is the former uh, mayor of London. And you get the feeling, now the current mayor, I'm forgetting his name, Marcus. Maybe we could find it. He is uh, of, uh, he, his religion is, uh, he's a Muslim fella. And you get the feeling this was Boris Johnson really sticking it to the current mayor of London. Sadiq Khan is his name. Sadiq Khan, and we talked about this on previous episodes. He's covering up all the women uh, in the subways. There will be no more suggestive ads of chicks in bikinis under the guise at body shames uh, women, which is where, you know, the far left has taken us, uh, uh, some of the feminist propaganda out there, and I'm, I'm not anti-feminist of course not. Uh, whatsoever. But uh, that is one of those one of those bizarre sort of uh, intertwining philosophies between extreme religion and extreme feminism, where it's like 
women should be clothed at all times, but they have totally different motives for this. It's very strange. And you know what? I am not going to deny the culture clash at all. It would be, I would have to be blind. Anyone would have to be blind to not see this huge culture clash that's going on, not just in England, but all over Europe right now. I mean, Germany, there's some bad shit happening in Germany right now. But I think there are different ways to take care of it other than blowing up the whole system because that's what England has done. They just pressed the self-destruct button to try to they blew up the they blew up their immigrant population but they blew up themselves at the same time yes it reminds me of a cartoon and i'm thinking is it pinky in the brain or is it uh what's the one with the kid scientist uh dexter's laboratory was it dexter wasn't he always threatening to blow up the world oh yeah totally yeah yeah well also the brain was always threatening to take over the world yes Yeah, yeah yeah tonight we take over the world. He never did it. Though. So Pinky didn't win this battle. Though. The brain <laughs> finally got one, and Brexit happened because of it. I do want to make this point, though, and it's something it is about disconnect between the political powers and the uh, people of a nation. You know, when immigrants come over to a country, I mean, you know, we pride ourselves in this nation on being inclusive, and we struggle to do it on a daily basis. But, you know, when we fail at it, we beat ourselves up about it, and we try to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, we try to be a better nation. What happens with these immigrant communities that are coming over in the United States, like we've talked about previously, they go to small enclaves and they live there and there's very little fluidity between cultures and things like that. What happens in a place like the U.K. and and here, these immigrants aren't going to the politicians' lands. They're not going to the gated communities. You know, they are going to middle-class neighborhoods and completely changing the makeup so that when politicians go on, uh, you know, when they get behind the microphone and they pretend like they're these peace-loving people who want to just see everyone come together, it's horseshit because they will never deal with it. Hillary Clinton will never deal with the problem of Mexican immigrants or any kind of immigrants in her own community. And neither will Donald Trump. And neither will Trump. And in fact, Donald Trump benefits from immigrant labor. I mean, he's a real estate guy. Who benefits from immigrant labor more than actual like construction work, well, you know, construction the- work and farmers. That's just such a. And not only that, but you know, all of his shit's made in China. Yes. Like, <laughs> or <I> mean, <laughs> there was one thing I think made in Mexico too. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, I mean that is the great irony. Donald Trump is sort of voting against his own best interest with his own immigration stance <laughs> in a very bizarre kind of way. Yeah, he really but, is. But that, that, but that should not be lost. You know, when people talk about why are these, why are these individuals so pissed? It's not because they're racist. It's not because they're hateful. It's because they're completely disenfranchised from any power whatsoever. And as soon as they try to speak up for themselves, they were silenced. They weren't allowed. To, they, 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 there was no political change. There was nothing they could possibly do to get their uh, point of view across about what they wanted to see their country look like. And as a population, as a populace, you have the right to decide what your nation should be. You know, and they never got a chance. No one was listening to them. And these immigrants are coming into their communities, not the wealthy elites communities, and they had enough of it. So, I mean, as as bad as it was, as, it, as I think extreme as Brexit was, that's the underlying motivation. And if these politicians can't get a grasp on why their constituents are so pissed, we're going to continue to see unrest like this on a global level. I mean, this happens again and again. You know, you see, once you have a really pissed off middle class, 
class that does not understand what's happening to them because it's no fault of their own. No. You know, they don't. And they did every, the, the thing is, they did everything right. Exactly. They did everything right. And, you know, that also happens here in America, yeah. too. You know, the, the American dream, for the most part, for most people, doesn't work anymore because we are always taught here in America that if you put your head down, if you put in the work, mm-hmm. if, you, if you actually work as hard as you possibly can, mm-hmm. then you can make it. Then you can have that nice house. You can have that nice car. That's not possible. I mean, it's possible, but Absolutely. that does not happen very often anymore. And that would, and that's the crux of Bernie Sanders when he was running. Uh, you know, such a hard, unbelievable, passionate campaign. That was the crux of it. And in uh, Donald Trump, that still is the base of his campaign. Sort of a more of a, a bastardized version to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit more of a um, simplified and simplified, uh, emotional, emotional Donald. Exa- yeah, <laughs> extremely. Well, it's based completely on emotion, and that was the that's the difference. Is that Bernie Sanders, it was based more on, I I think, of course, still based on emotion, of course based on emotion, but he actually had some shit to back it up. With Trump, he had his stump speech that he's been giving for thirty years. But yes, yeah, he. But he still had something to back it up, and he also had political experience with yes. Donald Trump. It's I'm going to take care of it. Don't you worry about blank. I'll worry about blank. Yes, like that's that's Donald Trump, and that is extremely dangerous because when you allow angry people to fill in the blanks. Bad shit happens. Right. That's just human nature. That's not America. That's not England. That's not Iraq. That's just mm. human nature. And, of course, we've talked about this on the show before. I mean, the average wage has gone down 20% for the same job from the 80s to now. Uh, it is unbelievable. There is a uh, – the idea of, uh, you know, trickle-down economics, the idea of a middle class, a shrinking middle class, is a real problem for the United States. If you look at what happened in the 90s, we are on we, – we are looking for another newt. <laughs> If we get another Newt Gingrich in office because the middle class is so pissed, the silent majority is so upset, we're going to have to deal with another portly Newt. <laughs> then I'm going to want to go to the moon. Well, the silent majority is very quickly becoming the loudest. Like, you know, they are feeling – it is interesting because we have a country now where the, the middle class has shrunk to around 30%. The elites are just as high as they always were. So with the shrinking middle class, you have a situation where there's going to be more and more people dependent on the, on the government, which is going to completely uh, empower the left and, uh, and at the same time benefit, benefit the uh, upper class. You know, yeah. that's the great irony of left policy so many times. The rich still get richer. The poor don't get any wealthier whatsoever. They are just a maintained voting block that will come constantly be in the status quo of just getting by the middle class theoretically was supposed to have the idea of like better better maintain my job continue to do a good job because i don't want to slip down a notch but if i do maintain my job and i do do a great job i can jump up a bit yeah and that doesn't doesn't exist anymore no that absolutely does not exist anymore there's no footing it's all it's like we're all standing on mud it's like we're all standing on sand there's we used to have solid ground we don't have solid ground anymore the only people that have solid ground anymore are the elites that's right that's a good point marcus and i know that you love mud (laughs) <laughs> and you love sand, so you're happier than ever. Mud's my favorite thing. I know. You like to roll around in it. I used Would to you... make mud cakes when I was a kid. Is... I'd, I'd pat them, pat, 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 pat. Do you eat them? No. You don't eat a mud cake. <laughs> this was an analogy that I that I came up with on the on a party row plane ride mm-hmm. uh, with Mr. Parks. We've we... had four party rows in the last two weeks. And for those that don't know what a party row is, <laughs> basically you sit by me, you get some Gardettos, I order a unique amount of booze, yeah. you know, to the point where the Sky Waitress is upset. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard look of judgment. Yeah, but that's not bad. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's party row. If you're, I mean, if you're not getting some negative looks uh, shot your direction, you're not partying. Right. And even if you're in the sky, a sky waitress, once you're up there, they can't get you down. <laughs> There's only one way down. So I always get a bunch of booze. We have a good party row. And I was discussing with with the Tea Party, right? Obviously, in 2010, when the Tea Party really came in, 2012, I believe that's where Ted Ted Cruz comes from. I might be wrong. He might be a 2010 guy, but I believe he's a 2012 guy. What happened with the Tea Party is very similar to what happens with people who are going into uh, what we were discussing earlier, spiritualism. Mm-hmm. You know, when they, when, when they, when they, when they want to jump up and become a wizard right away. <laughs> this is the most dangerous thing of all time, yeah, right, Yeah, Marcus? they can't go Kether to Malkuth, man. Right. Like, they, so, have to, they have to put in the work. You have to put in the work because if you don't put in the work, everything kind of falls apart and your entire, uh, your entire life is in shambles and you're not a wizard. You just end up being a total dumper. Mm-hmm. Can you explain this theory as just slightly better with, uh, with, with, your, with your knowledge? Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's the thing is that with magic, you have, to start at the, you have to start at the bottom. And let's just say it's the Kabbalistic tree of life is that you have to go to each station specifically. Right. You can't just go from bottom to top because if you go from bottom to top, then you're going to lose your mind. And mm-hmm. you're probably gonna, and you're gonna fail miserably. And so, what happened with Donald Trump and the Tea Party? They went right. They were at the bottom. They kind of slowly started to make some progress. And really, as far as political movements go, they have a mass amount of people uh, in the House. Mm-hmm. You know, much more. I mean, where's the Occupy? Yeah, we, uh, maybe Bernie Sanders. Maybe Bernie Sanders, but I don't think that he really attached himself to that movement in a way that Ted Cruz, for example, attached himself to the Tea Party. Michelle Bachman attached himself to the Tea Party. It was an actual political ID. Yeah. At no point did uh, did Bernie come out and say, I'm the Occupy senator. No, absolutely no. not. But, no, there was no one in the House or the Senate that was attaching themselves to Occupy at all. Trump sucks that idea up, and now he's all of a sudden the Tea Party candidate out of nowhere. I mean, there's nothing small government about the guy. He's a big government liberal. There's no denying that, and I'm loving just to wrap up this one point. So then the, the Tea Party is like, oh, we see him as our guy. Now we can be president. They jump too many stages too fast. Yeah. And it really, it's going to implode. One of my favorite things to watch right now is these true conservatives, such as Sheriff Joe Arpaio out of Arizona, this schmuck. You know, we've talked about him many times. Sheriff Joe Arpaio is a living devil. Yeah. I mean, what he has done to people is unbelievable, unfathomable. He is a little Kim Jong-un. He is um, David Koresh. Yeah, I mean, he is, uh, what's the, uh, Jonestown. Yeah, Jim Jones. He is Jim Jones. He's the worst type of evil person in that he thinks he's doing good. That's right. And, of course, when I say, uh, why is he like Jim Jones? Because he wakes people up every single day with the sound of his atrocious voice. They're sleeping outside in tents wearing pink underwear, which, hey, you know what? I'm just happy he's gender neutral. Very progressive (laughs) stance, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Very nice of you. He, of course, completely fell for Trump's immigration plan. I'm going to deport 11 million people. No way he could do it. Everyone knew it was a total fantasy. Morons like Sheriff Joe Arpaio are just like, that sounds like a good racist number to me. We're going (laughs) to do it. We're going to do it. And then sure enough, now Trump, as we've said he would for a very long time, is beginning to renege on his previous policy ideas. Now he's calling them suggestions. And now he's just outright saying it's impossible. Yeah. You you idiots. There's no way I could do it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, He doesn't pay attention. He just says shit and he doesn't pay attention to anything. And I 
think what's happened is that well, he's he pays been attention. He pays attention to the crowd. He is an emo- He is a person who sucks up other people's emotions and can just go with the flow. He is not a leader. He is a follower. That's the great irony about a good performer. Oftentimes, you have to follow the crowd, and when you get them whipped up into a fervor, they think that you've said everything that they wanted to hear. In reality, you said you realized what they wanted to hear, and you just you don't even know what you're saying. You just flow with it. Yeah, he's so good at it. I mean, it's he just, amazing. He rides the wave so well of a crowd, but the problem is, is that no one in that crowd has any idea what they're talking about. And I think he's he's been living in a, an echo chamber for so long, and now that he's kind of finally starting to get some people into his campaign that kind of know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. he's finally having to listen because he's going down so low and he's losing so badly that now it's finally like, yeah. okay, so what am I doing wrong? He's finally asking people, what am I doing wrong? And they're coming in just saying, it's like, well, you're just talking out of your ass, and you can't just talk out of your ass when you're running for president. These events that have happened around the world, specifically in the past uh Week Brexit and the terror attack in uh, Istanbul are very good for Trump. And this was a week that I think he kind of did rebound. You know, if you look at the polls now, in those four swing states, it's Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Florida. He is uh, almost neck and neck with Hillary. She is crushing him in uh, in a general election. If it was a popular vote election, he would be destroyed. Yeah. But because of the way that we do it, state by state, uh, it is possible he could get some of these very important swing states and turn them at the very least, what they are now, they have been at the very least turned purple, and it is possible he could continue that, uh, that trend and make them red. It, if the events around the world continue to be this tumultuous, he can ride that wave. It, that's the scary thing about him. Once again, you know, if you look at his Brexit response, I mean, he's in Scotland. He says how proud the Scottish people are for the decision in, in, uh, with Brexit. They voted to stay. Yeah, overwhelmingly that's how, so. That's how overwhelmingly. Yeah, yeah. And they are, by the way, the Scots. I was watching some. Uh, I was watching Nigel in front of the EU. The Scots are re- they really feel betrayed. Yeah, because they guaranteed them. David Cameron's government, who, by the way, David Cameron. For those that don't uh, know this. He is the one who called for this referendum. He thought that he had he had such political clout. He was so cocky. There was no reason for this vote to ever happen. No. They manufactured the vote because they thought it was going to be such a huge win. And then sure enough, as soon as he loses, he's gone. Yeah. He has I mean, to I be thought gone. that was terrible, though. Yeah. I mean, you, you should stay because at this point your nation needs you. And it just shows how shallow these politicians are. I'm sorry you lost, but you have to stay and uh, and try to heal the nation as much as possible before somebody comes and replaces you, whoever that person might be. I mean, I don't know if this is uh, just complete and total rumor, but I believe I saw this on the BBC, is that uh, reportedly an aide heard him say, why should I have to deal with this shit? I'm sure, yeah, because yeah. it was, well, because you're the one who called for the vote. Yeah. You call for a vote, it doesn't go your way, you still have to go. And, and try to make it as smooth a transition as possible, if they even allow them to transition, which is a whole nother story that we could get into. Yeah. It is possible they just got to throw out this vote and are just like, what happened? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Strange. Yeah. Because they still have to invoke Article 50 of that's the right. Lisbon Treaty. Like, that's how they actually, that's how they do it. So it's possible. And also, it's very telling, I think, that uh, Boris Johnson, when it first happened, they're like, so you're going to invoke it? He goes like, yeah, let's, let's wait. Give let's, it a let's, second. Let's, <laughs> no one 
was, thought they were going to win. Let it simmer. Let's let it simmer for a little while because they're not. They're just as unhappy about it as the Boris Johnson is just as unhappy about it as the rest of the people because it's very likely that Boris Johnson is going to be appointed prime minister. No, and I don't with know. All, with all the shit, whoever is prime minister yeah. next is going to be fucking destroyed for the rest of their life. They because well. all of these negative consequences are going to start rolling in, and whoever is in power are de facto going to be a conservative. So those people are going to bear the brunt of whatever it is that comes in. Unless they're going to be able to restructure some trade deals and have them benefit the UK, which is a possibility. I mean, a slim it, one, a slim one. But I mean, at the same time, this is what governments do. These, I mean, in 1973, when the when the Brits came into the uh, EU, no one even look we were talking about on the last episode. No one projected 2020 is even a real year. They were thinking we're all going to have flying cars and talking <laughs> dogs. And I wish we had talking dogs <laughs> so bad. Flying cars. Marcus and I have discussed this off air many times. The trash. You're just constantly getting hit, <laughs> hit in the head with Snickers wrappers and pee and, and vomit, whatever it might be. Yeah, mad bombers. Oh, yeah, it'd be crazy. Yeah. It'd be like uh, what, the, the Goblin character from Spider-Man. <laughs> Green Goblin. Green Goblin. So they do have a chance now to, if you are a politician, you can, if you go in and you make this uh, transition as, as, uh, as fluid as possible, you do have a chance of becoming one of the greater leaders um, for the Brits. But it is, a, uh, it is a very fascinating situation that completely benefits uh, Trump in this strange way, although I think it's also kind of a misnomer that Brexit has anything to do with his campaign over here, because what are we going to do? Are we going to separate? Are we going to like be like the, the Bob's big boy from Austin Powers and just separate from the earth as if we're <laughs> as if we're Dr. Evil? I mean, we're going to are we going to get rid of Mexico and Canada? Where are we exiting? I mean, we're, we're, we got oceans here. We're not exiting. We're kicking out because that's what that's what yeah. Donald Trump can say is like, look at Britain. Britain voted against immigration. They voted to take their country back. Britain. They made Britain great again. Britain was never great. <laughs> we can't stand by the queen. Come on. We fought a whole war over this. Uh, but, you know, again, they were fighting legal immigration. This country, we are in a phase of choice now. Do we want it? Like in 73, when they decided to get with the EU, open borders, it sounds like a great idea. I don't think that people fully understood what that meant and what that looks like to a nation. Mm -hmm. So for them, they feel like they went way too far in the wrong direction with legal immigration. So in this country right now, people are sort of, we're at the, is it a precipice? Mm -hmm. With illegal immigration, many people uh, see a path to citizenship um, as what we, we will be going through in 20 years with the EU, with the UK rather, is going through right now with the EU if we have a path to citizenship that is too easy and we just have completely open borders. So that's what, that's what they're seeing. That's why when Trump is like, we have to stop illegal immigration now, granted, again, he's not doing anything. Yeah. But in the minds of these people, they're like, well, we better stop it now before it becomes uh, unsustainable. And we know for a fact by 2045, um, the majority of the country will not be white, mm. um, which is totally fine with me. It's not an issue um, because it matters how intelligent you are and how you can man manipulate and maneuver around whatever country, whatever world you're born in. Intelligent people find a way. You can always find a way. And uh, and the, the misnomer that somehow uh, it's the immigrants that are going to be taking our jobs. What's going to be taking our jobs is robots. <laughs> By 2045, half of the world's jobs, this is true, that's what they're projecting, will be overtaken by robots. There's already a... Uh, there's already a robot lawyer. Did you see this story? No. There's a robot lawyer. You just go online, 
And uh, this 19-year-old kid from the U.K. created it. You put in your parking ticket, why you got it, and there are hundreds of thousands of parking tickets have been uh, have been given, have been just, nope, you don't have to pay it. Wow. Yeah. So robots are going to be doing everything for us at some point. It won't be um, immigrants. All right. So that's just a little bit about Brexit and a little bit about Trump, a little bit about Hillary, and a little bit about Benghazi. Yeah. Hmm. That's fun. <laughs> And we didn't really get a chance to talk too much about Istanbul, but we'll talk about it on a future episode. There's so much information coming out right now, and so so much of it is wrong. Yeah, and that's how Um, it always happens with these things. So much of it is always wrong right up top. It's always best to wait a couple days before the actual facts come out. Right. Either way, a terrible attack, and uh, the... um We'll see how the Obama administration responds. If you look at how Trump responded to the terror attack, you can tell his handlers have a tight grasp on his messaging at this point. I mean, it was a, it was the first professional uh, response he's had so far. It might be too a little too late. Who knows? Um, and Hillary's response in all of this, can it benefit her Brexit, Istanbul, um, all the unrest in, uh, around the world? It might benefit her uh, because she is sticking with the narrative of strong, steady, don't change horses in midstream, which, by the way, Abraham Lincoln, that was his second year when he ran for re-election. That was his slogan, and that's where the term comes from huh. uh, in a political sense. And the idea of uh, Obama's third term might actually sit well with people, very similar to H.W. in 88, when everyone's kind of over Reagan, but he had a slightly, he had a, he'll have about the same approval rating, Obama and Reagan. Um, and Herbert Walker, no one really loved. Yeah. Um, and I do believe whoever is elected the next president will be a one-termer. Um, and it's funny because uh, Hillary made the exact same mistake that uh, H.W. made. She already promised she will not raise taxes on oh. the middle class, which is a very difficult promise to keep. And if she breaks it, those are the those are the uh, those are the sound bites that really get people's goats. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for listening. Let us know what you think on the Abe Lincoln's top hat. Facebook page. Uh, the show is doing so well. It's it's really uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, that's Marcus Parks. You can find him on Twitter and on Instagram at Marcus Parks. I'm on Instagram at Ben Kissel one. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel. And uh, yeah, just keep on supporting all the shows here on CCR. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to CaveComedyRadio.com.